Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. Get a deal with coke if I wasn't rapping about the past back dealing dope. But Got my name is Jesse Ventura. Have you ever seen the episode of X Files with him in it? There's an episode of the X Files that I'm in. I only talk about it every time you bring up Jesse Ventura. I've never heard of this before. I do know that I was in the film Predator, and then uh, on the set of the film Predator, very early, in fact, I uh, spoke to Arnold and he had said. Jesse, you're wonderful. I I have another film this <laughs> later this year that's filming. It's called The Running Man. I have a role that you'd be perfect for. And I said I'd love to do it, Arnold. I'd love to do it. I signed and I signed right then, so then I knew when I went back to Vince, I had that as my ace in the hole. It's you know, that's a great uh, a great piece of leverage that you've managed to bring. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yes, there's an episode of The X Files with Jesse Ventura in it. He plays a man in he plays a man in black next to Alex Trebek. I do like that's perfect. It's pretty great, actually. It's he that he, sounds he like has a fucking pipe parts, and it's fucking he plays an excellent man in black. Jesse Ventura is, in my opinion, the only info warrior in the world. The only one truly fighting for truth. The only one who's actually doing, you know, fuck Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, the reality winner and Chelsea Manning, all these people. Send them to the fucking Hague. Jesse Ventura is an info warrior. Uh, I do believe he has been on InfoWars before, but I, I, I would not. Ventura, doubt. yeah, yeah, he was on InfoWars. But I do know that he is like not a fan of the the program. No, he's not. Did you guys see not. the Hard Times article where it was like the InfoWars offices have been turned into a spirit Halloween? That'd be funny. It'd be great. I would love that. No. I don't think they're zoned correctly, though. It's Texas. It doesn't matter. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, if you go into any area in Texas, if, you, if, you're, if it's a civil infraction, all you have to do is uh, open carry, and all of a sudden you're exempt. All right, let's... Let's go turn that into a spirit Halloween. You have to gun down everybody inside first. Nah, you know. Bunch Don't of worry, marshmallows. it's real easy to get your hands on the stuff to do it. Yeah, it's in Texas, super easy. They just give you a gun when you cross the border. Alright! Here you go, here's a, here's a gun, boy. It's like, you know how but sometimes you go to McDonald's, this. sometimes you go to McDonald's, they also sell Monster? What if you just cross the border, you're like, would you, do you need... <laughs> Ammo? You need, 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 need a gun. 
Yeah, can I get a... Ugh, man, every time it's every time I come to the menu, I always forget. All right. Always I'm going right. to have... Let me get a 410. Can I get, um, can I get two McDoubles? Uh, sorry, not two McDoubles. Two double cheeseburgers. I like the extra slice. Yeah, two double cheeseburgers. Slice, yeah. I like two McChickens, right? Because, you know, you need the double cheeseburgers to start the meal and end the meal. They're like little end caps. They're like palate cleansers. And then I get like a chocolate shake, large fry, 20-piece uh, nug. And then I'm like, hmm... Clock seven. That's what. I, that's what. Of course. Say. Yeah. It's you know. It's just a quick add-on. You just throw it on there. They give it to you out the drive-through. Oh, I feel like being bad. Look, can I get a Sig Sauer? <laughs> I'm gonna be bad today. Can I get a suppressor? Is no. Would you mind getting me at one of those Dracos, please? Is the is the reloading bench uh, running right now? Uh, I'd like to. Oh, no, the, the reloading, the reloading bench, bench is broken. Down. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn! It. I always. You guys. I feel like you guys always say that. It's so funny. Oh, well, you know, that's, you know, we get it all the time. <laughs> just fucking blow away. Just gun and shoot out in the McDonald's drive-thru. Oh, man. All right, I think we have enough that we can now yeah, intro that's a solid, the episode. it's a solid intro. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> hey, hi, hello, and welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, the show where we three fit-to-bursting pairs of spandex shorts attempt to hide just a little bit of the falsehoods of the world and bring some of our shiny skin tight truth to you the listeners at home my name is justin st peter and you haven't even seen my final form yet to my left it's colin stanley the only wwe slash pro wrestler uh that i look like besides uh, kevin owen is uh big john stud to my left uh, my name's tyler and i'm a big fan of uh dudes rubbing on each other until one of them falls down. Well, you know, that's a way to that's a way to do it as long as everybody's consenting and adults. Exactly. Uh, Colin, yeah. we have an episode today that's wrestling related. That's why we've been making all these wrestling jokes. It's because Colin's going to talk about wrestling. And not the wrestling that you're used to. Oh, that is Colin. Oh, that's damn. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Yep, it. that's that's our boy. It's Big John Stud. Big John Stud, aka John Minton. John did you guys Minton. see that? Ke- did you guys see that Kevin Nash is going to be in town? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, really he's care. gonna be, he's gonna be going to a bunch of dispensaries. Good for him. Good. Yeah. Good for just like as a promotional thing, or just because he can. No, it's like a promotional thing. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, like, no. Yeah, I just I hit that fucking bag, bro. No, I, I always know where Kevin Nash is. I put an air tag in his ass. You put an air tag on the inside of his butthole. Exactly. And uh, he hasn't noticed it yet, mostly because he doesn't poop anymore. All right. I feel that, like let's start uh... the episode. So. <laughs> well, wow, okay. I'm just sorry. I have to say, as an editor, it's nice to hear Colin cutting off a tangent for once. Fuck off. Professional wrestling originated out of the catch wrestling combat sport that became a carnival attraction during Reconstruction in America due to its flashy movements and quick matches. Catch wrestling being a folk style of wrestling similar to the French equivalent of Greco-Roman wrestling, which involved a a various uh, assortment of holds, uh, pins, submission types, uh, typically with uh, rules against things like below the belt and uh, fish hooking and eye gouging. Uh, but uh, uh, or as it was referred to in the business, uh, ripping, uh, and included was a whole bunch of olive oil. 
Well, not not in catch wrestling. Uh, no, in, in Greco Roman wrestling. And in France, they use butter. Uh, <laughs> so very uh, completely irrelevant to what I'm saying. Uh, catch wrestling is like really interesting because it seems like so there was this Irish style of wrestling called uh, elbow and collar wrestling. So you know how sometimes you'll see in like pro wrestling matches when they grab on each other's like the back of each other's like uh, like head. And, like, they're both, like, locked, like, up on each other's shoulders like that. Uh, or, like, you'll see, like, you know, in, like, an old-timey movie, like, that's how guys are fighting. Yeah, like, it's like, a piece. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's just a type of, like, Irish wrestling where it, that basically the idea was to, like, shift your weight around until you get the upper hand and tumble the other guy. Uh, so what I'm hearing is that's just two drunkards unsuccessfully holding each other up. It's like judo, but if your controller was broken. Like, if you only knew... <laughs> If you only do one move, if you're like, I got one move, that's it. It's kind of like that. It's the whole martial art. In fact, one of the uh, one of the one of the like preeminent catch wrestlers <laughs> of the day, uh, Adolf Ernst. Uh, Adolf Ernst. I don't remember his. I think his uh, his stage name was like Ad Sattel or something like that, or Ad Sadel. Uh, but he ended up. Uh, beating the world champion of judo <laughs> so this guy declared himself the world champion of judo and like made a habit of like uh challenging and accepting challenges from uh members of other grappling schools mm-hmm. and uh adolf ernst showed up and whooped his ass hard and Damn. then then like uh in this in the way that happens every time in martial arts like throughout history this always happens it's like one guy gets unseated and then it's his stable of bros that are like you don't talk to my bro that way and they all show up and like whenever no one, way, they bro. all get fucking rinsed by this guy who's just really good at catch wrestling um and you're like okay colin what's catch wrestling and how's it differ from judo well it's like it's way worse like in terms of like defensibility and sustainability it's way worse yeah it's made to be a show and not you know it's, a, a, well, it's a spectacle. Actually, catch wrestling started just as combat sport, right? That you would do it for fun. So it's already kind of like less than lethal, right? Because yeah, it, whereas not, judo, judo is designed for to defense. Be, yeah, it is a to, self-defense system. Yeah, judo is made for fighting people, uh, and uh, like catch wrestling was made for, uh, you know, recreation. Um, so it becomes uh, catch wrestling because the matches are so fast, as compared to Greco-Roman wrestling, which you go on for fucking ever and ever. You score points. It's like a point system. Uh, these are very quick. They do they do three uh, pinfalls. It's if you understand how modern professional wrestling works, the rules are largely the same. Like it's it's pinfalls. So you either get pinned uh, uh, for a, you know a ten count, or you get you, there's a submission. Right or no, a three count, not a not a ten count. Sorry, ten counts. Yeah, I think the ten count was a later. Uh... Yeah, well, no, ten counts. It's it's just three. So it's three count, pin, or submissions. Uh, but because of how dangerous submissions were, uh, basically nobody really used, like, pain submissions. Like, the guys who were the best at catch wrestling only went for pins. Like, mm-hmm. pinning was, like, what you just did. It was what's appropriate because you really don't want to hurt the other guy. Like, yeah, you just you're just trying to match beat him by the rules. Yeah, so... Uh, submissions were basically used as a way to get people in a position to pin them, uh, which is kind of unique. Like, 
it's literally a, it's like a, a martial art that was built just for sporting. It's kind of interesting in that way to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over time, you know, catch wrestling picks up in popularity. So you started having these guys who like in their hometown, they were just like decent athletes or had like been athletes or been like soldiers and had wrestled in like the military or something like that. Uh, and they start traveling around with carnivals uh and putting on these performances, uh, uh, a lot of times strong men would also double as wrestlers because it just made sense. They already had the physique. It's it's uh, double duty. They can make double the money uh, with yeah. a different attraction. Um, it's, and then, it's an interesting history that wrestling has within the United States and like the cultural milieu of the United States as well because of our puritanical roots and how important wrestling is to that strand of Abrahamic religion. Oh, I mean, definitely not to, like, this kind of stuff is, if we're going to talk about, like, what religious group might have informed it, this is way more, like, way less, like, puritanical, like, Anglo (laughs) shit. This is, like, this is the kind of culture that Americans saw and were, like, Germany is taking over. (laughs) Like, this is, like, this, this kind of stuff is, like, the kind of thing that feels, like, american spin on something uh but but not necessarily homegrown per se it technically was but it it seemed it feels very informed i don't know if that's the perception that it was at the time but this was the time when people were starting to be like the hun menace is penetrated our country too deeply and we need to do something about it the beginning of like true american nationalism because it was the end of american isolationism yeah, and also Germans were, uh, like, uh, there was, like, hundreds, uh, if not thousands, of German-speaking newspapers in the country. Oh, yeah, because uh, they, they, were, they were the first group to majorly emigrate here. But, and also a group that, until the World Wars, really didn't assimilate. Like, they did the same thing that a lot of ethnic whites would later do, where they kind of just hung out in their own little communities, because it was easier, because yeah. a lot of people didn't speak English, they only spoke German. Yeah, they um, had their own enclaves, and- yeah, no, it's, anyway, and not relevant. Just to, yeah, I was going to say, a, a tangent that I was I, I had brought up uh, just because of, like, I was thinking of, like, Joseph Smith and, at Winter Quarters and, like, the day he spent wrestling oh. his whole fucking, yeah. Yeah, huge, like, it's it's that, it's, but it, that, him doing that is way less the spiritual part and way more just, the like, The entertainment that, part. Exactly, the era, because wrestling was hugely popular. Mm-hmm. Like, people don't, you know, remember, or sometimes they forget, that Abraham Lincoln was an acclaimed wrestler in college like that was his big thing he's in the ncaa hall of fame yeah that's how people knew about him like that's how he had name recognition is he was like a really uh a really high performing wrestler and then like an okay lawyer and then he ran for office and like most people just kind of knew that he was a country lawyer who had who had gone to state you know Yeah. yeah he was a celebrity more than anything to be honest uh, Which is, again, another interesting, another interesting point to make about American politics and American history is that it's, uh, it turns out it's always been like this. It's never stopped. Uh, it's never stopped, and anybody who tells you different is an idiot. Exactly. So catch wrestling, uh, you know, obviously, as, as, a, as a combat sport built for sport, uh, purely, um, mm-hmm. over time, as it more and more just gets subsumed into entertainment and it pulled away from the sport realm, uh, you start to see, like, uh, basically, uh, wrestlers start to work to invent their own holds and submissions to, like, sp- like 
you know make things more variable uh, yeah, and less and it's uh, yeah less repetitive it's better branding you can you can you know you can trademark if for lack of a better term uh, a signature move or a finisher uh, as they would later uh, become known um, and also uh, this is when uh, things became scripted so in 1870 that's really when catch wrestling like makes its way into like the American zeitgeist and by the turn of the 20th century uh, all catch wrestling matches are scripted um, you know any carnival you go to they know who the winner is going to be and then as you see like wrestling gets more and more popular because that's one of the few entertainments people have and eventually you start to see wrestling clubs start to sprout up all over the world uh, all over the country especially mm-hmm. in the wake of world war ii you had a lot of veterans coming home who like you know it's either the bike gangs or this so, so uh, like uh, like vi- like fucking uh, jesse ventura was uh, a navy seal uh, like there are a lot of, uh, I, I do actually believe Sergeant Slaughter was a veteran. Uh, Jesse like, Ventura was a fucking Navy SEAL. Okay, this is something that he got flacked for. He Jesse got, Ventura will continue we'll, to surprise we'll you. We'll talk about, you know, actually, I'll talk about. We're going to talk about Jesse Ventura later, but I'll clear this up now. Jesse yeah. Ventura was a Navy frogman. He was part of the UDTS. Okay. Uh, they got rolled into the seals so now yes okay so he was an entirely different task force that just got pulled under sierra the only difference between jesse ventura and a full navy seal at the time Mm -hmm. that he when because when he called himself a seal it was after they'd rolled them in so he was technically right when he said it but he just hasn't he hadn't been through seal training and he had to be attached to uh, uh seal team one or seal team two for six months and then he would have been considered a SEAL because he wasn't attached to either of those teams for six months. He was not considered a full Navy SEAL. It's bullshit. Okay. It's a it's a meaningless designation. Anyway. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I, either way, he's still SOF, and that's, like, that's huge. I didn't even know that Jesse Ventura was a veteran, let alone fucking spec Yeah, he was in Vietnam. So, that explains a lot, actually. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Holy I don't know. shit! I really Holy shit! Jesse Ventura was fucking SOF during Vietnam. How do you? How do you not? How do you not fucking? So you're telling me he you're was fucking me... Mac V saw uh, Sog oh, fucking God. ripping people's limbs you're off? You're telling me, Justin, that you have been looking at the puzzle of a man that Jesse Ventura is without looking at the box the whole time. Are yeah, you fucking just, insane? Listen, man, I've just been taking it every mouthful as it comes. You, all right? like, he is like the quintessential Vietnam vet. Like, it's he That's, is the ur vet. Insane. I, I I had no idea. Okay, well, um, another reason for me not to fuck with Jesse Ventura. Yeah, well, he's old now, so I don't know if you're, you need to be too worried. I'm uh, still not gonna. I'm not gonna take that yeah, chance. I'll guy. let you do it, but I'm not taking it. We'll see. Uh, so yeah, catch wrestling by the turn of the century becomes completely scripted, um, but and th- this is you know like we said it's it's to provide a a faster uh, than conventional wrestling matches uh, match, uh, one that's less repetitive uh, and more entertaining for the audience, and also one that's safer uh, for the wrestlers right because they're not fighting full strength they know what their uh, quote unquote opponent or what we're going to refer to as partner uh, mm-hmm. would do is doing in the situation. Um, that is not to say at all that pro- professional wrestling is safe. No, um, professional wrestling is inc- if you're if you're ever watching professional wrestling and you're like, wow, this looks so dangerous. They could get really hurt if this was real. Just take off the if this was real part. They could get really hurt 
whatever yeah, they're doing, they, yeah. they, they can do really all the get time. hurt doing it. Because even though they do it all the time, every time they could die. <laughs> Doesn't uh, make it any less dangerous. You're just practicing so that way maybe you won't fuck it up. Yeah, like like oh yes, you're right. You're no, you're 100 right. Wrestling's fake. Uh, you know, and you know, I'm glad. So here, this, so professional wrestling is, however, by no means a riskless performance, and concern for the safety of yourself and your partner is is ingrained in wrestling culture as theatricality is. Uh, and now we're going to talk about just some baseline things, and we're going to we're going to launch ourselves into the episode. So baseline, we're going to use some some weird uh, wrestling dialogue every now and then, whenever it comes up. Uh, if either of you guys have questions or you don't know what I mean when I say it, just say something. Otherwise, a lot of it is pretty self-explanatory in the context, because uh, yep. it's Carney talk. Uh, so it, it just makes sense. They just have either a shorter uh, way to say it. Uh, some some things I'm just not going to refer to by their, their wrestling slang, because I don't like the word, or it seems inefficient to call it that to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care. Um, also, uh, a lot of wrestlers are pieces of shit. A lot of people in the wrestling world have done terrible things to people, uh, terrible things to women, uh, terrible things to themselves, and terrible things mm. to each other. Uh, I, I feel like I have to say this um, because, I mean, we are, we're going to address one part of it specifically, but I'm not going to address most of it, but I want to acknowledge the fact that it is real, and as much as I'm like, oh, I like Jesse Ventura, I understand that he's not a great guy. I understand that he and I differ and that uh, there, there are things that are irreconcilable between he and I. But I don't have to be personally friends with any of these people. I can enjoy the characters, and I can enjoy their performance. And that's what, I'm, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, so and isn't that. that ultimately what wrestling's about? You know, it's just enjoying the spectacle. I, I don't know if, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would agree. I, do not, I don't know if uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooka's girlfriend would agree who he beat the shit out of in a hotel room and then left to die, and then she died later that day. And then he was charged for the murder in 2015 after he released his book uh, that, uh, you know, kind of incriminated him a little bit. Uh, if I did it! Basically. It was it was like he wrote, like, a memoir, and then there it was just like, this timeline is... <laughs> you're, he's like, I think the line they pulled from the book was like, I was all fucked up back then, or something like that. Like, I was all My life started to get then. really crazy around then. It's like, probably because I killed my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, because it turns out when you murder a woman... Yeah, but then you talk to J- Jesse Ventura, and he's like, great guy, definitely, definitely a gentleman. Always a great guy. Always a, a gentleman with me. Never had a problem with Ricky. A real ass, a Jimmy. Now I keep, I it's I'm being racist. You keep thinking Ric Flair. No, 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 no. Not Ric Flair. I keep thinking, uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky Steamboat, instead of uh, fucking uh, uh, Jimmy Superfly, Jimmy Snuka. Honestly, what's the the best part about this for me is as a person who consumed zero wrestling growing up, I got no fucking idea who half these people are. Uh, uh. You don't need to explain. I yeah. It's, yeah, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He, uh, what a great name. But Ricky, Ricky the, Drag- the Dragon Steamboat? Yes. His last name was Steamboat? Well, his wrestling last name was Steamboat. He, like, the Macho Man match, if you've never seen a Macho Man match before, the Macho Man match that you want to see is probably his match with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, watch any Macho Man match. Watch any they're, of them. Oh, they are good. electric. They, they are, are phenomenal. They're, 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 like, vitalizing. Uh, it's, 
Like I know I know what Vril feels like because I've seen Macho Man Vril. in the ring in the squared circle. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's also like you know uh, you know Big John Studs match with Andre the Giant, uh, or his you know the body slam contest he had with Bobby Heenan. Like you know, there's there's lots of there's lots of those match those matches that are like you know, it's like a fucking screenshot in time that like just maintains for all of history. Uh, there's some meanwhile real... you said Andre the Giant, and now I'm just thinking about the Princess Bride. Exactly. There, th- that's something I was going to talk about as well. Is the what what WWE like and and Vince McMahon and the industry of wrestling is really making money off of. So we'll talk mm-hmm. about it. So. Let's uh, let's get it started. Uh, we're gonna you know we started talking about Jesse Ventura, so uh, it's because he's uh, kind of the entry point into our story. So Jesse Ventura, uh, you know he was you know he's from Minnesota, so he's a Midwestern boy. Uh, we we always appreciate when we get to talk about somebody from the Midwest, or at least oh, I feel yeah. like I do. Or yeah, one of our sure. hometown Big heroes. Big yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so. Basically, Jesse Ventura started uh, wrestling in the 1970s, right? Uh, actually, you know what? Can we cut out this last two minutes? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, so let's start you know, with Jesse Ventura, but before we do, um, let me just mention real briefly, in the 1950s, uh, a company referred to as Capital Wrestling Corporation was founded. Um, now, it's completely unclear who actually founded uh, this company. In the 50s? I feel like we should have paperwork for that. We should, um, but apparently we don't have original access to the original paperwork, and the only purported founder was one of two people, uh, Vincent J. McMahon, uh, or his father, Jess McMahon. Okay. Uh, now... One of those names is kind of... Jess McMahon uh, was an Irish immigrant who is a boxer and wrestling pro- and professional wrestling promoter. And his son, Vincent J. McMahon, who had become a professional wrestler and uh, professional wrestling promoter. Um, but back to Jesse. So, uh, 20-ish years after uh, Capital Wrestling Corporation is founded by the McMahon family, whoever specifically did, uh, we don't One know. One of them. Um, Jesse Ventura enters wrestling, and he enters, uh, you know, he's, he's out of the Navy, he was in, uh, he was a, a Navy frogman in Nam. uh, he's working this gimmick, uh, as a California, like, surfer guy with his bleach blonde hair, which I think is hilarious, because Jesse Ventura has such a thick Minnesota accent that... He really, it is in, inescapable. He that, can't get past it. Like, the idea of him, like, convincing anybody he's from California is really funny to me. Um, but th- that's <laughs> What's his thing. up, dude? And eventually... Yeah. He, so he eventually, you know, he, he does a lot of house shows. House shows are usually, like, it's small, uh, usually non-televised. Uh, if there's any coverage, it's radio or in a newspaper, like a fanzine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, very it's backyard little, wrestling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, backyard wrestling is completely amateur. This mm-hmm. is... This is just small-scale pro wrestling. So these are professional performers uh, in so far, you know, that they have some level of training. I think mm-hmm. Jesse Ventura, it was purported he had, like, maybe, like, two or three months of, like, wrestling training before he started. 
it's mm-hmm. not a lot. You know, wrestling training is essentially like, here's how to like sell something. Here's how to try to avoid hurting yourself. Here's how to try to avoid hurting other people. It's Practice. more responsible Practice. training than cops get. It's, I mean, basically. <laughs> uh, and yeah. it probably takes longer, too. I mean, uh, for what? Like, basically, the entire history of professional wrestling only, like, at the time... Uh, okay, I, I know of... And we're, we'll talk about it... You know, we'll talk about it later. The pref, professional wrestling is not typically a, uh, at the time, fatal thing. Um, no, but it no, that's be. that's like CTE. It takes some time. Yeah, it's 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 like you know it's like adding a little bit of fucking fish sauce in the marinade. It needs to sink in. <laughs> really needs to fucking gel in there Give for it time. a couple decades. Uh, so Jesse Ventura is you know he's working this this uh, surfer boy gimmick, and he ends up joining the AWA, which is a regional uh, wrestling outfit. Uh, it's the American Wrestling Association, I believe, or Philly, uh, yeah, and they uh, basically they're part of this larger uh, group called the uh, NWA, which was the National Wrestling Affiliation, and that was basically it was kind of like Tyler is probably familiar with how football leagues work. So, yeah. so you have like opposing conferences, but then you have like an overarching commission, right? Yeah, well, it was the wrestling at the time was like so decentralized. It's basically you had you had a little over a dozen regions throughout North America, from Mexico through up to Canada, basically where different uh, promoters and different stables uh, worked within different regions, and so like this was like home turf. Where they would promote, they worked with bookers at those venues. Uh, yeah. Like would usually get better door deals. They'd usually get you know that kind of stuff. It's it's home turf. Yeah, that's what you, it is. You yeah. might you might get called up by a fucking place in the Pacific Northwest. It's like, hey, we need a guy for Friday night. Um, yeah. Can you do it? Here's your gimmick, and then you go there and do your thing and get paid. And that's called go, go back. That's home. called a job. So a guy a guy who gets paid to lose. Uh, to trump somebody up, usually somebody not from the area who doesn't have a lot of heat. Heat is attention. Uh, so a, a jobber without a lot of heat uh, is usually required uh, for a babyface. A babyface is a guy that's good but is new to being a good guy or is young or is pretty or is a mixture of the three. Got it. So Jesse used to job. He was a jobber. Uh, he jobbed in house shows, and then yeah, take falls for money. Uh, at a certain point, before he, before he joined the AWA, he he retired. He actually quit wrestling. He decided, uh, you know, he'd saved up enough money. At the moment, he you know he had his wife already. Uh, he'd been working in Portland, Oregon for for oh, over a year at that point. Uh, you know, making nothing. Uh, he tells a story about how, uh, you know, he was excited to bring home a hundred dollars one night because he'd never seen a hundred dollars before. Uh, from a wrestling show like the idea that these guys are destroying their bodies these people are destroying their bodies um in a very public very brutal way um and getting paid garbage especially then then it was like really easy to like you know there was no there was no understanding of like 
the full extent you were doing damage. And also, there was there wasn't really like any kind of support. Like as little support as there is now, which we're gonna go into, there was mm. none back then. It's like if you got hurt, fuck you. You can't perform. That's, that's your, fuck that's your you. shit to deal with. That sounds like a you fucking problem. Actually, yeah. it's a me fucking problem because you. Oh, you broke your fucking leg. You fucked me over. You fucked my show over. I have to go find some other dickhead. I have to redo this whole fucking promotion. You know how much money I spent on this. That is that is the industry. It is very like when you talk about live performance because overhead can be so low profit can be very fucking high so the second you start moving that margin around people get mad and people get fucking crazy and they start doing wild shit uh for what may not seem like a lot of money to you um so it's fun (laughs) it's great (laughs) like yeah like like yeah, for fifteen thousand uh, dollars, Big John Stud uh, was fucking eating HGH like it's Captain Crunch, so he could you know face off against Andre the Giant in a body slam contest. Like fucking <laughs> like dies at forty seven because he's riddled with tumors from HGH from abusing HGH, and it's yeah, just it's like, weird. Yeah, well, I one of I lost a fifteen thousand dollar body slam competition with Andre the Giant, so. I guess it was. It was all just worth an it. honor to compete. I guess it was all worth it in the it's end. Just an honor to compete. Um, but yeah, so Jesse Jesse's working as a jobber uh, occasionally. He's he's trying to build up enough heat to uh, to to move on to a more major promotion, uh, but ends up just retiring. Uh, you know, gets gets out early. He was like in his early thirties. Uh, you know, most guys. Uh, you don't you can't really wrestle past a certain point once you start getting to 40 that's when a lot of guys either leave the business or as was happening more and more back then you move into management you move into promotion you move into uh commentary you move into an adjacent field it's the same thing that we see in a lot of sports nowadays with like former nfl players working on you know for like espn and being like a sports commentator or something like that mm-hmm. it's a way for them to take the knowledge and continue uh because their bodies just can't do it anymore yeah um so jesse ventura he's working he eventually uh you know he gets asked uh you know he wants to open this gym this weightlifting gym in northern minneapolis so he's done with wrestling uh but he gets approached by awa like hey we just want to we just want to like you know we really like this you know we just want you to like shoot some promos with us, you know, uh, just this one last thing. Don't worry about it. And he's like, okay, well, like I'll do one last job, but like I'm not one last job. It's no problem. Like, hey, it's extra money for my gym. I'll do it. And yeah. they're like, okay, okay, okay. And like he does it. Like they cut the promo, and like the lead promoter for AWA at the time was like enamored with him. And so like the next time he comes into the office, they're like, like, hey, 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 Jesse, Jesse, do you want to work part time, buddy? Do you want to work with us part time? And, and in his mind, he's like, part time, yeah, that's fine. I can do part time. Like, it's yeah, more money from our gym. Uh, you know, I can still like get out of wrestling. He's like, he's like, but nothing televised. I won't. I'm not jobbing on DB. I'm not gonna job on DB. And he's like very adamant that he wouldn't job on TV. And he mm-hmm. he makes the points like back then. If you jobbed on TV, that was your fucking identity was sealed because enough people saw it. That's the only information they have on you. Like, yeah. nowadays, you're constantly being hit with so much info that things just slide right off your brain all the time You don't and you don't think about it. But with 
that back in the day it's like your entire opinion of somebody is crystallized in the first like any information you have that is who they are period end of story you don't have anything else so you see a guy on tv and you're trying to figure out if you're supposed to root for him or not and the only match that you see him fight in he loses like a little fucking bitch you're like that guy's a little bitch i never want to root for him fuck that guy like that's that's his job he's supposed to do that but it, it basically you cut yourself out of better deals because you're no longer a draw it's you're a lot of times it's difficult to work as a wrestler that's not you know you have to hit like three points as a professional wrestler you have to hit physique you have to hit um you know charisma or like your ability Mm -hmm. on the mic and you have to hit uh technicality like being being a, a you know a good technician being a good technical uh, wrestler and knowing what you're yeah. doing and using your body effectively, not just having a pretty one, not just being interesting as a character, but also being good at your job. Yeah, and, being uh, truly an athlete. Exactly. And it's diffi- It's very fucking hard to have all three because the guys who just work out all day are like Brock Lesnar and they, you know, they got fucking, you know, golden retriever brains. They can't talk on a mic to save their fucking lives. So you have to get Paul Heyman, a guy who talks at like 300 words per minute. Like, you need that guy, because mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar, literally, if he talks, like, you know, you literally just watch, like, WWE stock drop through the fucking floor the second he opens his mouth. That said, Jesse the Body Ventura, at the time, you know, when he gets pulled up by AWA, he's really not an experienced wrestler, mm-hmm. um, but it's that it's that exposure that he gets with AWA where he's he he's man he manages to swing uh getting a uh an offer from an uh an up and coming uh adjacent uh regional uh organization called uh, the world wrestling federation uh mm-hmm. which had undergone some some branding changes from its inception as uh capital wrestling corporation mm-hmm. um so jesse starts working for wwf um this is right around the time this is this is what's referred to uh in wrestling as the golden era so the lineup at wf right now is stacked you have andre the giant you have jesse the body ventura you got jake the snake got hulk hogan you got uh sergeant slaughter you got the iron sheik it's everybody it's fucking everybody it's all it's all everybody you like right so WrestleMania one is a fucking enormous success. It's uh, it was in Madison Square Garden, uh, in nineteen eighty. I want to say here. I'll pull it up right now. Uh, nineteen eighty six is uh, sorry, sorry. Nineteen eighty five was WrestleMania one. Uh, is this enormous event? WrestleMania two though. WrestleMania one is like the proof of concept. It was only shown mm-hmm. on like closed circuit. Um. Uh, you know, televisions. It wasn't. It wasn't a pay per view event. Um, mm-hmm. WrestleMania, Just local TV. WrestleMania two, however, was a pay per view event. Um, it was enormous. It was like the first of its kind, really, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of professional wrestling. Being able, being able to get that kind of draw. Um, and the top billing was Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy. Right, King Kong Bundy was one of like the big bruisers uh, at the time. Uh, the Big Show is probably the closest thing we have, mm. or you know, Mark Henry. That's kind of what King Kong Bundy was about. He was he was a big John Stud, uh, Andre the Giant, 
type figure, right? Yeah, just real huge dude. He was there to be big and hurt things. Exactly. So, WrestleMania 2 is this enormous fucking event, right? Uh, fully Vince McMahon's brainchild. Vince McMahon, at this time, uh, is involved with the WWF. He's, uh, I don't believe he's CEO at this point, but I know he is deeply involved uh, with the creative team. Uh, actually, no, he is. I believe he is CEO at the point. Yes, he is. So, he's, he's head of the creative team. And he's CEO. Um, WrestleMania is his brainchild. It's a few days before WrestleMania. I think a day or two before. Mm-hmm. Jesse Ventura is in the locker room with all the wrestlers. And nobody from management is there. And so Jesse looks around. And he'd been in Vegas previous to that. Like a few weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. And he'd been in the elevator uh, at, at the casino that he was staying at and who would get on his uh, his elevator but at that time the uh, that the, the current uh, head of the NFL union of the players union for the NFL mm-hmm. and all, all he said was he looked at Jesse and he went uh, he was like you boys need a union and Jesse went I know Gene <laughs> I know uh, You're telling me, but so flash forward to a few days that. before WrestleMania two, like the first like of its kind event, a massive money maker, really the cash injection into WWF that is that we know in retrospect is going to catalyze you know the nuclear reaction at its core, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I think Vince also knows that that that's what it's going to do, um, and I think Jesse Ventura to his credit, also knew that's what it was going to do, which is why in that locker room, with no management present, uh, he looked around and said, we could do it, we could unionize, and all we'd have to do is tell them, hey, we're not going to go out. We're not going to wrestle. They already said they're going to do it, and then the guys at WCW, they're going to follow the lead. They'll do the same thing, and just like that, we'll have a union. It's federal law. they got to abide by it. If we come out, we say it like that. Uh, you know? And... <laughs> you know? And yeah, no, for sure. Nobody really bit. Um, because you got to understand at the time, especially in the 80s, the idea of unions was like, the, so this is after Reagan has broken the back of, of labor entirely. Like, Jimmy Carter mm. really rode labor into the ground, and fucking Reagan planted the headstone. Uh, yeah. So at this point, the understanding of unions is, like, not a great one, first of all. And second of all, it's also, like, you got to understand, for these guys, there is no solidarity. There is solidarity between wrestlers to an extent, and there had been historically, but this is the shift that's happening. At this moment mm-hmm. in time, this is the hinge point where they're going from something that has a culture and has this like familial community like baked into it, and the more and more this thing is commodified and financialized, the weaker those bonds get. It's almost like professional wrestling is a really good microcosm example of what capitalism does and maybe i picked it for that reason who's to say now 
literally the say? next Who's day after that locker room talk, uh, Jesse Ventura gets a call on his phone. It's Vince McMahon. <laughs> oh, no. Vince McMahon's mad. <laughs> Boss man found He's out. screaming at him. And in, the, in, in Jesse Ventura's own words, Vince McMahon came in with an eyelash of firing me right there and then. Uh, which put them on pretty bad terms. Uh, he got mm-hmm. a lot of fucking flack for that. Um, and uh, it was basically only the fact that Jesse had a pretty decent draw at the time. Um, that kept him in, in the fucking league, That, that kept him around, basically. It was the fact that he was... He was really great. He was a great talent. It would be stupid to get rid of him. And ultimately, as much of a piece of shit as Vince McMahon is, as we will continue to discuss, one thing that you can say about him that some people would consider positive in certain circumstances is he really cares about his business and ensuring that it continues. He he absolutely believes in, you know, KWW, you know, keep wrestling working. There you go. Oh, I love you. I hate you so much, you piece of shit. Listen, man. Ever the since beatings, I was intru- the beatings will continue, will continue until, until morale improves. Ever since I was introduced to the concept of KSW keeping Scientology working, realizing that that philosophy pervades every single business to the same intensity has been a mind op- like a, a, an absolute eye opener. Yeah, and totally if you're unfamiliar at home with the concept of KSW, um, look into Scientology, the the massive cult that is Scientology. The massive money-making front that is Scientology. The concept of KSW was one of the last things that L. Ron Hubbard ever put out into the world, and it is the reason that we still have to deal with Scientology today. It's just the opposite of quiet quitting. Basically, yes, but Which, quiet quitting is qu- not real. So. Quiet quitting is just doing my job like you asked me to and are paying me to do, and if you're it's, expecting me to do more, you should kill yourself. Yeah, it's 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 quite it's weird how people keep talking about quiet quitting, quiet quitting, quiet quitting. When it's really all it is is it's acknowledging the transactional nature of labor uh, and sticking to the agreement. It's like I live in a right to work state, so I'm supposed to care and pretend like you're my family, and you're allowed to fire me at the drop of a hat. So I yeah, feel that's like it's how a, it's supposed to work. You know, that's I love being in a relationship where at any time my friend is holding an evict an eviction button in front of my face that and at any time my friend could press. To, to make me homeless and every day our relationship is predicated around me doing what they say or they'll press the button that really makes me feel good and want to have that's that's the type of familial relationship that you want yes <coughs> yeah no i love it i love it but wrestling Great. had that at one point uh because of the com- communal natural nature of carnivals uh also partly it's also why they refer to audience members as marks uh, because ultimately there is a part of wrestling that's acknowledged that yes this is performance yes this is art yes you are artists and you're creatives and that's what this is and we're <coughs> storytellers um, but this is about money and this is about making money and that's the only reason we're doing this and if there was no money we wouldn't be doing this we would be doing something else um, that's a hundred percent right it's you know there's a lot of people who go like oh, you know, if Picasso, you know, Picasso never made, you know, X money, or, like, he was never recognized in his lifetime, or, you know, no, Picasso was, but, you know, Van Gogh or yeah. something like that, uh, you know, who wasn't, like, you could always say, like, oh, if they were, things would be different. It's like, no, like, he probably would have been doing the exact same shit 
he probably just maybe wouldn't have killed himself then. It probably would have been, like, a day later, you know? Yeah. He would have been able to eat more often. Exactly. He wouldn't have to burn his own paintings to stay warm. He would have been making just as many. Exactly. So, it's... There's that. But then, it's like, nobody is wrestling just because they love wrestling. Now, some people are. (laughs) But you will never know who those people are unless they get lucky. Um, those are the only people who's, who you learn about who worked hard. A lot of other people mm-hmm. are legacies who work hard. I'm not, I shouldn't say that, but they yeah. come from family. They come from wrestling families like Vince McMahon did and have Randy or have a Randy, and uh, Dwayne, the rock, Johnson, Dwayne, the rock Johnson, uh, fucking there's a whole list. The Guerreros, uh, they, uh, <coughs> I think, uh, uh, there's now uh, a Guerrero who's a diva and she's about to, she's about to get their belt. Uh, the 24 seven belt. Like, it's literally like there are so many wrestling families that like just that's their whole fucking thing is you know the hearts are actually the core of this episode which we're, what we're about to move into is about the heart family and they mm-hmm. are a great example of what a wrestling family is like because they are very dysfunctional <laughs> um, <laughs> um but yeah no it's uh it is vince mcmahon yeah immediately fucking union busting and uh, it, apparently it came out decades later after uh, Je- uh, Jesse Ventura sued uh, Vince McMahon decades later that it came out that he found out who ratted him out and it was Hulk Hogan. Uh, hmm. it, unsurprising. It's very unsurprising. <laughs> Again, in retrospect, like, it was, was it Hulk Hogan? It was Hulk Hogan. Uh, but, like, at the time, Hulk Hogan and Jesse Ventura were intensely close friends for, like, a decade and a half like they they uh so jesse ventura would end up uh you know basically he would leave he went on to he went to go make uh predator because he mm-hmm. had an opportunity didn't renew his contract and he came back from predator uh signed on to the running man uh and renegotiated his contract with vince after he got mm-hmm. his sag membership so he got his union eventually uh he did yeah. Again, I don't agree with everything Jesse Ventura says. So, like he said, you know, uh, you know, you know, <coughs> screw them if they were too, screw them if they were too dumb to not want it. I got my union. Uh, Twenty-seven years I've been vested. Uh, <laughs> like he's, that's like, it's the shitty thing to say. Like you should still work to organize wrestling. Like you were yeah. right that you guys are getting fucked over and that nobody ever gets to retire. You never get health care. That's bad. Uh, you should do something about that. Uh, but like, yeah, it's at a certain point. So he ends up, uh, end up eventually ends up leaving, uh, WWF going to, uh, or he, he works as a commentator for a while, then works at WCW and then, uh, would eventually reconcile with Vince, um, personally after multiple lawsuits, uh, yes. which they now laugh about cause they're psycho old men. Who are like, ha you took $40 million from me. Ha 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 Well, it's because they both got their money back, so they don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, fuck. No, exactly. It's really, it's really easy to forgive those kinds of things when you're both uh, insane, missing a huge part of your frontal lobe, and rich. Uh, like, from, like, you kind of see this transition, and really, you see, this is where it kind of starts. Um, you see Vince McMahon kind of get this taste of, like, up until then, he's been a very rough promoter, and he's been a rough manager. That's mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would disagree. The way he's run the company, he's done in a very cutthroat way. Um, 
but it's up not up it's it's not until really we're starting to get into this period of time where you start to see Vince change the way that he deals with his talent right say what you will about Vince McMahon at a certain point in his life he respected professional wrestling at one point yes and you can see that in the way he treats his wrestlers and at a certain point that stops being true or at least is not true enough uh, to overcome how much Vince likes making money. Which, hmm. as a businessman, that's his job. Um, but I, on this show, it's my job to say, that makes you a piece of shit. <laughs> so. <laughs> and we once again cut to the meat of the matter. This brings us out of the body and into the second part of the episode, the heart, and more specifically, the hearts. The hearts family? The Hart's family, the Hart family, but specifically the Brothers Hart. Uh, the Brothers Hart. There's like ten of them. That's, that's too many. There, yeah, there's like six or seven of them, and then they have like three or four sisters. Um, Jesus. But we're talking about two in, in particular: uh, Brett, the Hitman Hart, and Owen Hart, uh, who I believe his stage. Which is okay, Brett, Brett the Hitman Hart. Great name. One of the coolest names <laughs> ever in wrestling. It is a fantastic wrestling man. It is way better than Shawn Michaels' Heartbreak Kid. Oh, absolutely. That's a fucking mouthful. The only I would say Bret Hart. I would say the Hitman. One of the only names that comes close to it in that era, Razor Ramon. Oh, I mean, because that's just it's, you get the alliteration you and get Jake that quick the Snake. Mouthful, just Razor Ramon. Rather and, and rude. <laughs> And and Jake the Snake, Macho Man Randy Savage, Shake the Snake, the Mach- big Mach- R.I.P. to Jake the Snake, man. Is he still alive? He might be. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you you said R.I.P. Dude, here's the thing: with a wrestler, with unsure. any wrestler, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> like, it's, they might just be dead. A lot of them are just dead, unfortunately. Let's see, Jake. Jake the Snake is still alive, and me and him share a birthday. Oh shit! Aww. They made the huh. movie The Wrestler about Jake the Snake. You should not be alive. Alrighty. So, the brother's heart. So we have Brett the Hitman Hart. And uh, we have we have our, our, our late great friend, Owen Hart. Mm-hmm. Now, uh... Let's talk about Screwjob in Montreal. Actually... Let's talk about Shawn Michaels. Tyler, do you know who Shawn Michaels is? Fucking hate Shawn Michaels. <laughs> fucking hate him. Okay. So I he's fucking done his job hate well. Shawn Michaels. He's a piece of shit. Fuck I, Shawn I Michaels. He's a heel. Not always. No. No. Mm. So, uh, Tyler hates Shawn Michaels. Justin has no opinion. I love Shawn Michaels. I love Shawn. Mi- I love Bret Hart more. I will say that. But. I love after Bret Hart left WWF uh, or WWE at that point I believe it was because they they made the transition. Uh, at that point, um, I I love Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I love Degeneration X. It's that. Oh well, you you can separate. You can separate. Well, Degeneration, Degeneration X, X from it Sean was Shawn Michaels. Like it, the whole point of having it was Shawn Michaels at first. And then it became, yeah. then when they got uh, Hunter Helms, him is there. <laughs> Who was definitely the cooler the one. Cooler of the cooler of the two. We're gonna, I'm going to talk about because he's, 
he, he would carry a sledgehammer. He's like, into the ring. he's like a better Vince McMahon. And I have a, yeah. I have a, ner- I have a name, I have a term. There's a reason why they, they made him the face of WWE now. Well, again, we're Tyler. We're getting to it. We're gonna get there. We're gonna talk about it. Uh, so, um, let's talk about Shawn Michaels, right? Shawn Michaels is uh, new on the scene. Um, uh, and this is in, I believe, uh, 1994 is the first year that Shawn Michaels uh, is in the WWE. Um, and he's a babyface. He's, uh, so he's a young, really, really good on the mic. His whole gimmick is he's the heartbreak kid. He's a pretty boy. Um, he is kind of like an American equivalent to a, a pre-existing character who is also heart-themed. Uh, Brett the Hitman Heart, who Brett the Hitman Heart is kind of this like tough Canadian uh, like bar brawler character, like not like a drunk, but just kind of like a cool tough guy. Uh, he'll wear a leather jacket and he's got his fucking wraparound shades. He's a fucking cool dude. Uh, that's all you really need to know about Brett the Hitman Heart. Right? He's just a cool guy. He is just a cool guy. Like that's his he whole thing. He wears a leather jacket and he rides a motorcycle. He's Canadian. He brings a Canadian flag into the arena sometimes. He's Canadian, so you know there's flannel. He's from that Calgary, jacket. man. He's fucking. He's oh, made the a rough worst stuff. city in Canada. Well, that's where do you, dude? There's a reason that American wrestling originated in Iowa. Okay, buddy? It's not... Oh, yeah, it comes because there's nothing to do with beat the fuck out of each other before they invented drugs. Why do you think... Why do you think the phrase parts unknown originated in wrestling? Okay? (laughs) Like, from hailing from parts unknown. Oh, you... Because they got tired of saying buttfuck nowhere? Yeah, they got tired of saying where in Kansas... Uh, Where in, what's the how many people lived in your which, small town yeah which town in the panhandle of oklahoma no, no. i don't care i won't learn i won't learn tar, tar baby indiana's name i won't do that yeah parts unknown yes um the professional way of saying bfe so up until then so bret hart has been the reigning wwe uh champion he's been the world champ so that there's there's like wwe at this point is running multiple belts so this is jumped off we've springboarded from wrestlemania pay-per-view is the core of the wwe business model at this point right uh they at, at the time where um jesse ventura and vince mcmahon have their their spat c uh wcw is siphoning talent away hulk hogan goes away to become the third man on the nwo uh, Macho Man goes away for t- uh, uh, Diesel and um, fucking uh, Razor Ramon go away. Like, or was it Razor Ramon? There's a there's pulling a lot of talent. That's mm-hmm. what I'm. Regardless, yeah, poaching a lot of poaching, poaching a, lot of, a lot of talent, and it seems like uh, uh, Bischoff, uh, <laughs> the guy who's the CEO of uh, uh, WCW, it seems like he kind of has like limitless pockets. Whereas Vince is really scraped for cash. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like Vince is working on a much tighter budget. And the honestly, the fucking deals that he's that WCW is offering these fucking guys is crazy. Like, some of these guys were going from making, like, $200,000 a year to making $1.5 million a year. Like... Yeah, it's, it's it was exactly like what's going on right now with golf. Oh, yeah, the guys um, who sign... Uh, so, Saudi Arabia started to... their own golf... 
uh, tournament, basically their own golf yep. like league, ah. like the PGA. Yeah, the, the live tour. The yeah. Live so tour. so and the guy the guys the guy who just won um the shit what was it? It was the players championship a couple weeks ago. He won eighteen million dollars for winning. The guy in second place got eight, I think. They're, dude, they um, were and and the Saudis are giving people a hundred million dollars just to play. Because here's the thing. The PGA has like skill requirements. Like you don't, you don't kill if if you're like an acclaimed golfer, you still have to qualify every year. Yeah. So if you're like kind of just a mediocre golfer and depend and you're not going to place well in the PGA, which is going to basically determine if you get fucked or not on like all this money that you spent on this sport, uh, go to fucking Saudi Arabia. They're going to pay you twenty times that amount to just be there. And then if you do well, they'll pay you even more. Like, there's... But the problem, right, is if the, the PGA has said, if you go and play on the Live Tour, you're blacklisted. You're out. You're never coming back. Oh, fuck. Okay. So, but, but that's the thing. It's like all these, like, C-tier golfers are just like, I wasn't going to make any money with you anyway. Uh, this yeah, is like, a, who gives a this shit? This is a no-brainer decision. So that's what was happening at the time in wrestling, too, is the WCW was taking these, like, b and c tier guys uh Mm -hmm. and pulling them and uh wwe was also taking major cuts i think they ended up firing like 44 different wrestlers over the court or no they had a 44 man lineup and they cut it down to four guys they cut it down to bret hart owen hart the undertaker and Shawn michaels i believe and then they just built off that back out, but like, God damn. just literally, there was a there. Yeah, it was like literally, this, these are the only guys that we have because that's all Vince could like afford. Apparently, I don't know how true that is because Vince is a uh, terrible liar who lies all the time. Turns yeah, out he's pretty notorious for being a liar. He's like the devil, <laughs> he's full of shit. So Vince at this point, has started to develop a reputation for fucking his talent over. He's done a decent job of, like, the guys feel fulfilled generally. They they like working for Vince, but they're, they're really hitting hard times, and they're not making the kind of money they used to, and they're getting blown out in ratings for their pay-per-view by WCW every week. So, they're trying to come up with something. Bret Hart is getting really frustrated with Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart is the reigning champ, but he's getting old. He's probably looking to leave wrestling or transition somewhere else. He's doing the thing that Jesse Ventura did, that Andre the Giant did, that John Cena would do, that Dwayne The Rock Johnson would end up doing. He's trying to transition into movies because he understands that I can't keep doing this to my body. I like my body. I like working out. I can keep working out and just be an action hero, and I don't have to kill myself in the fucking ring every night uh Mm. you know i can work less dates that was a huge thing for bret hart because a lot of these wrestlers were family guys if they weren't you know if they weren't just like maniac party animals they were like people with like a wife and kids at home so like you know being on the road uh you know 10 months out of the year uh you know in three weeks out of those 10 uh, out of each of those months like it wasn't it's hard it's hard it's really hard to try and especially early in your career where you're not making a lot of money uh 
I don't ever I feel like I don't recommend music on the show a lot. You should listen to the Mountain Goats album uh Beat the Champ. Beat the Champ. It's fucking Beat the Champ amazing. is an incredible album. There is some real deep wrestling lore sprinkled throughout like uh uh the Bull, uh, Bull Ramos is a great fucking song. Uh Chavo Guerrero is a great fucking mm. song or the what it's the the legend of El Chavo. Uh yeah. there there are some really uh fucking nice nice little fucking ditties on that that album i give i'd give it a i'd give it a 10 out of 10 uh highly recommended from west of the industry yeah the mountain goats in general are very good very depressing but very good but we're white podcasters so you knew we liked them already so yeah. <laughs> um so we're, we're at this point right where where it really looks like vince and this whole operation are going to go under that they're going to be subsumed uh, by market forces, right? Um, and so, Vince starts to get really desperate. Bret Hart has been trying to leave. He's been getting offers from WCW, and he's holding. He's holding the fucking belt. <laughs> he's holding the belt. All right, he can't, he's the world champ. Mm-hmm. The women's belt there was literally a pending there was a legal there was a trial basically there was a lawsuit that occurred originating from vince mcmahon uh to wcw because a uh one of the, the woman who had won the belt uh for the women's division of wwe had ended up signing with wcw shortly after brought the mm-hmm. belt on and threw it in the trash on national television and they got sued for copyright infringement, <laughs> mm. uh, which they lost. Um, and so, wait, WCW lost? WCW or? lost because they had used yes. they'd used their material. They used WWE imagery. Yeah. yeah, but obviously the the kind of legal fees that are involved probably weren't great. Um, so it's probably a mixed bag. But you have to do yeah. something, right? Uh, or at least if you're Vince, you do. So uh-huh. that probably wasn't going to happen again. They weren't going to bring a belt out. Uh, he wasn't worried about Bret Hart signing with WCW and like bringing the belt with him. He was worried about WCW going. Former WWE World Champion holder Bret Hart is now headlining WCW. That's what Vince yeah, McMahon it, did not want. He it he, still carries weight. This is all about the wrestling concept of heat. Heat is all about attention. And Brett was fucking hot. Brett Hart was old. He was an he he was a veteran. Uh, uh, some would call him a mechanic because he was a very technically skilled wrestler who was also an older guy. Uh, he, but he was trying to get out right like that. I think what Vince didn't understand, what Vince didn't, Vince had this understanding of the future of WWE, and that future was mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels. And unfortunately, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart fucking hated each other um as we've kind of talked about wrestling is all about partnership and like working with a guy in the ring so if you really hate him it's really hard to do that effectively um they ended up actually getting to like a real physical fight where uh they had to peel brett off Shawn michaels uh and beat the fuck out of him really hurt him (laughs) like fuck uh, because brett hart uh because fucking Shawn michaels had implied uh during uh during a moment in the ring uh while he was on the mic that 
Bret Hart had cheated on his wife. Uh, now, he, Shawn Michaels claims this was part of kayfabe. Kayfabe is the fictional storyline that we are witnessing. Uh, the storyline... Okay, uh, angles are discrete storylines that occur within a larger wrestling narrative that is referred to as kayfabe. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that's why, like, uh, lucha, luchadors in Mexico will, uh, or at least before, it's not as common now, would never remove the mask because that would be breaking kayfabe because they're, the fact that they're hiding their identity is part of their character. Yeah. So just like that, in modern professional wrestling, you'd see a lot of guys like get into fake fights like out on the street where they'd like throw each other around or push each other into shit or like hit each other with their cars, um, as happened often. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a. I do remember. Oh, it's that phenomenal! Pretty, pretty it's phenomenal. I just in the WWE, any, any time, just people get hit by cars. Any time a match ends and you're going to the promo and you see you're in a fucking parking garage, you're like, awesome! Somebody's getting hit with a car. Somebody's yeah. getting their head slammed in a door. Somebody's getting hit with a car. Perfect. <laughs> like, that's all I need. Um, so Vince McMahon is like, Shawn Michaels is the future. Shawn Michaels. Uh, and Brett have been like feuding on and off. Um, basically, after Brett beats the shit out of him, Sean leaves. Sean quits. Sean walks out that night and says, "I'm done. Uh, this is an unsafe working environment. I can't do this." Uh, ends up like, like suing, or like threatening. Mm-hmm. No, uh, Vince tries to get a hold of him, and his lawyer's like, "We're gonna fucking sue you for an unsafe working environment." And he's like, "How about you don't though? And come back, please." And I think that's essentially. Let's talk. About essentially, this. that's what. How about you? How about you pretend like he didn't yeah, so quit? Essentially, what what ends up happening how about you just George is, so Shawn Michaels immediately comes back in a commentary. Not campaign, gonna do it, Vince. Uh, and it's for a big event, and he's heckling Bret Hart the whole time. Because mm-hmm. Vince McMahon loves it because he's building this heat. Because anytime there's real heat between wrestlers, it gets played up. It gets worked. Uh, a work is anytime there's effort being put into something intentionally f- to fake it, and a shoot is the opposite. A shoot is something that was not planned or unintentional that happens. A worked shoot is something we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. So basically, th- things are escalating. Sean Sean Michaels ends up leaving commentary, becoming a referee, and then in a match hits the Undertaker with a chair. That's his heel turn. Him and Bret Hart are now on a, a collision course, right? But Bret Hart, mm-hmm. in this contract that he renegotiated after all these back and forths with WCW, has gotten this um, creative control clause, basically, where in the mm-hmm. last 30 days, it's a 20-year contract where he was supposed to be paid out over, like, $10 million that Vince McMahon immediately welched on. So Bret Hart is like, fuck it, I'm just going to leave then, and starts yeah. the process to go to the WCW, um, and so his 30-day, you know, period kicks in. He's got this huge match coming up where he's supposed to he's supposed to put over uh, Shawn Michaels for the strap. And he's like, well, I have this clause about reasonable creative control in my last 30 days. I'm not going to put over uh, fucking Michaels. I'll put over anybody else. Anybody else. And if you want to give him the belt after, you can give him the belt after. I don't give a shit. I'm not putting Michaels over. He disrespected me. And again, it's the Hart family 
And Bret Hart's opinion of Shawn Michaels, you can see, is very informed by, like, wrestling culture. Like, it's very big on loyalty and very big on respect and very big on these, Mm -hmm. like, intangible things, these social values that really don't... That Vince McMahon is actively disintegrating, that he's actively dissolving these things with the business decisions that he's making. Um, And doing it on purpose, because he knows he can make more money that way. Um, Mm. So... We we're barreling towards this conclusion where eventually Vince comes to Brett and he goes, "Don't worry, <laughs> I even though I said I'm gonna violate your contract, literally told you I'm gonna violate your contract, we figured it out. You're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're, you're not gonna have to put over Shawn Michaels. Uh, you guys are gonna fight. We're gonna have Taker run in. You're gonna uh, Taker is gonna you know pin you, submit you. You're, you're, you know it's we're gonna we're gonna DQ the whole thing, right?" So he's not going to get the pin. You're going to DQ it for interference. So you'll lose the belt, but you won't have to put him over. Yeah. And Brett's like, I can deal with that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, what he doesn't tell Brett Hart is that there was a secret meeting with not all the wrestlers who are usually in on the, the night's events and not all the management, uh, who a few of them work really closely with the talent, but... Vince McMahon's circle of trust, which included Hunter Holmes Helmsley and Shawn Michaels, uh, where he tells them, Bret Hart's not winning. Uh, It was actually Vince's head writer at the time was like, it's your belt, Vince. Just take it. Um, And this is one of those moments where something Jesse Ventura says just plays back in my head again and again. And... Jesse Ventura had said when he first became a commentator uh, for the WWE, or the WWF at the time, Vince McMahon was like, I want you to be a heel commentator. There's never been a heel commentator before. I want you to be a heel, and I want you to only like heels. He's Mm -hmm. like, I can do that. He's like, here's your motivation. If you believe it, it's true. And it's like, what a chilling thing to hear (laughs) in the year 2022 that in like, 1987 Vince McMahon was like I have seen the future of America and I'm making you play it (laughs) as a character on my wrestling show which is also a grim specter of the future of America Uh, so and I Vince McMahon am the grimmest specter of the future of America the grimmest specter of all yes it is I the ghost of Christmas future Vince McMahon uh so, this is what's known as the Montreal screw job, uh, where basically Brett's in the ring. It's an hour long match he's supposed to have with Shawn Michaels with one pinfall. So, a lot of times they do these big long matches, they'll do multiple pinfalls. It'll be like best of three, best of five, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. One pinfall, which means no breaks. They're working yeah. the whole time. It is very intensive. Imagine constantly jumping around and throwing yourself around and running around and lifting a guy who weighs as much as you do uh over your head uh and uh like screaming and just like doing all of this shit for an hour a fucking hour and you're under these hot fucking lights because i don't know if you've ever seen a fucking squared circle of fucking wrestling ring but it's it is the lights that you normally get on stage at a performance, but they're significantly lowered 
to focus on the ring. So yeah. those guys are broiling under there. They're like a fucking they're like a plate of fucking French fries at a Greek diner, man. They are not doing well. Okay, so yeah, it's, it, they're they're in the fucking hot plate. So they're 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 getting they're fucking sizzling out there, right? For a fucking hour, and eventually they're getting the so the 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 ending was essentially that they were supposed Bret Hart was supposed to get his sharpshooter off, and then. It would. It was supposed to. We were supposed to get into this, like little snafu, and things were supposed to fall apart there. And the DQ was supposed to happen there. Mm-hmm. What happens instead is the referee, who Bret Hart had talked to before, and was like, "Hey, I have this really bad feeling. They're going to try and fuck me over to get out of this contract thing, to get the belt back." Um, is that what's happening? And he was like, "No, I would never be involved in that." <laughs> Oh, of course not, as he feels the wad of cash in his pocket. What a piece of shit. Yeah, so um, so what ends up happening, Shawn Michaels ends up reversing the sharpshooter. They they literally, they spent time, Vince, uh, what a, a few members of Vince's like team spent time with Shawn Michaels privately practicing this reversal move uh, to directly counter it. And then they also taught him some defensive, uh, like actual defensive grappling moves just in case Bret Hart tried to beat the shit out of him again. <laughs> yes. He's like, if they sh- if he tries to kill you on national television, here's how to keep him from doing it super fast, like last time. <laughs> Which is hilarious to me, right? It is pretty great. So, Shawn Michaels reverses him, and Bret, you immediately see, like, Bret is like, you can tell when wrestlers don't, like, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, there was immediate like there's like a there was a loss of an atmosphere there's like a loss of chemistry you like their fucking expression their face changes um, yeah this is not the performance is, you're going off this script. is not the fact thing this is this is not the fake thing that i've been projecting for an hour what is happening right now um mm-hmm. so he, you see like he immediately goes to like try to trip sean so that he he doesn't pin him with the sharpshooter yeah um and the only thing you hear right before the bell rings is vince mcmahon screaming Ring the bell, ring the fucking bell. Um, which really cements what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. It just really drives home how much of a scumbag. So he yeah, how so scummy this they was. ring the bell. Uh, Bret Hart loses the belt. Um, he stands up, very calm, uh, spits like the fastest moving gob of phlegm I've ever seen right in Vince McMahon's face. Like, hits him hard in the face with it. Um, Shawn Michaels is pretending like he didn't know that was supposed to happen the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's like, whoa, what's going on? Exactly. And when they would get to the locker room, he would keep that lie up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, uh, they were, get, they were like... So, Bret Hart, like, freaks out, smashes TVs. They're going to the locker room. All the wrestlers are, like, half the wrestlers are freaking out. Like, uh, Mick Foley quit on the spot. And had to be like talked back into coming back the next day, where he was. Well, Mick Foley's Mick Foley is one of the greatest people to ever yeah, exist. Mankind? Are you kidding me? What a fucking a human being! Like, there's the reason he's mankind is because he's all of us. He's the best of us. If we were to send a man into space to represent the human race, we need to go back it in time, grab Mick Foley at his prime, ship him out there. Gotcha. I'd let him represent me in a court of law. <laughs> He can't do. Hey, it's Mick Foley. He can't do no wrong. He can't, apparently. 
I like you know nothing about wrestling, so you're just taking our opinion. Not a goddamn thing. It's okay. Uh, so yes, it's I okay. So listen, I understand like concepts behind wrestling because I worked with an amateur wrestler a few years ago, and like we talked about it as a performance art. So like I understand the concept of like kayfabe and the face and the heel and like you know the 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 angles and all of that. But like I don't know wrestlers and I don't know like these events in the WWE and shit. So it's interesting to hear about after the fact. If if you want to watch one of the most disturbing things you'll ever see in your entire life, look up the Mick Foley Hell in a Cell. Oh my god, it is rough Oof. to watch. It is rough oh to watch god. because none of that was scripted. That was the first Hell in a Cell, wasn't it? That yeah. Was, that was the... Isn't that the one where he fucking died? No, Mick Foley's still alive. No, who's the guy who died in the... Shush. Oh, okay. Apparently we're getting to it. Shush. We're getting we're, we're getting, getting to that. To... But no, Mick Foley did not die during this, but he, he uh should yeah. should have died. That's see, that's okay. what you're confusing. Mick Foley should be dead. <laughs> A lot of these wrestlers have no business being alive. Mm -hmm. Uh and have died arguably a dozen times each, but for some reason they're still around. Yeah, Mick Foley uh, suffered several injuries in it. A concussion, a dislocated jaw and shoulder, bruised ribs, internal bleeding, puncture wounds, and several teeth knocked Just out. Just to be clear, he went off the top of the cage, which was like 30 feet in the air. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. he, and yeah he, through like three because, tables. Well, he fell through it because Vince had cheaped out and bought a cheap fucking cage. And it was, mm -hmm. it was just like regular... It was like slapdash chain link fence. It wasn't like actually well put together. Mick Foley's like 300 pounds. Mick Foley's not a small man. So imagine yeah. a guy... And after that, after that, Mick Foley got up and finished Finish. the match. Just like a fucking... Uh, what's his face did with a broken neck? Psychos. Insane people. They're, they're crazy. They're crazy. Fucking, I guess so. All right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so like, that is wild, whatever. Uh, Kurt Angle broke his neck and kept wrestling. That's who I'm thinking of. Uh, mm. Kurt Angle is like... The Olympian. A human steroid. Like, if, you've, if you're like, what's an anabolic steroid look like if it, had a, if it had legs and a dick? Kurt Angle, that's what it looks like. Kurt Angle. He's just one bicep. That's his whole body. See, like, look at him. He looks like... He... he he is what I wish they let Barry Bonds Honestly, get to. yes. <laughs> yeah, to become the juggernaut. <laughs> Barry Bonds... Honestly, though... Like, like they would have had to make, like, new baseball fields <laughs> just for Barry Bonds. Yeah, we, we, because we he's gonna... A, yeah, we had to put up... We, he's gonna fucking blow yeah, thousand-yard home glass. runs. <laughs> because he was killing... So they, had to, they had to make it a no-fly zone. <laughs> he's fucking... <laughs> Fucking I'm a big fan jokes. of the drugs allowed Olympics, so I mean it's good, man. It's a good, it's a good we idea. We should, we should absolutely have that. We should have the regular Olympics, and then we should like let's really see what the human body can do. Yes, I agree. Uh, so this the screw job happens, right? It's a fucking terrible event. Uh, Bret Hart ends up going to WCW, but he's not as a champion. He doesn't have the heat, uh, and he kind of languishes there until he ends up leaving eventually. Um, mm -hmm. Which kind of sucks. It's a, it's a really uh, unceremonious end of a career uh, for, you know, a guy who, like, made wrestling in the 90s. Um, you know, re basically, 
modern wrestling does not exist without Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, for that matter, Owen Hart. And this is the really sad part of the episode. Um, well, not I don't I don't want to say the really sad. It's it's one of the realiest sad parts. Uh, that's how you would say that. Realiest sad. Yeah. So. And I I do want to say in 2022 there there was some filming between uh, Brett and Sha- Brett Hart and Shawn Michaels. They have since reconciled. It seems. Um, and uh, if if you're like oh well that's oh, okay I don't really care. That's the appropriate opinion. Uh, but it's interesting to me. Um, so, Owen Hart, um, unfortunately, was also screwed by Vince McMahon, but in a much uh, more significant way. So, um, I'm going to actually read from a Sports Illustrated article here, because they actually do a pretty decent job. They don't they don't talk about something that I think is pretty essential that I'll talk about afterwards. Um, but we'll, we'll just kind of go through this. Uh, This is written by uh, Dan Green uh, from 2019. When millions of wrestling fans turned into Raw is War on May 24th, 1999, two decades ago this week, that's not relevant because this is in the past, they surely knew they would not find a typical episode. There was little precedent for the show's circumstances. Okay, why don't you fucking... Okay, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong part. My god damn it. A night earlier, at a pay-per-view event held in Kansas City and dubbed Over the Edge, it was Jim Ross uh, who narrated the news of Hart's accident to the home audience. Under his secondary persona of the Blue Blazer, Hart had been due to descend on a cable from a catwalk to the ring for his match, a stunt he had reluctantly done before, though never with that night's new addition a quick-release harness. While the arena was darkened during the airing of a video package before his match, Hart's harness accidentally released, sending him on a 78-foot plummet to the ring, where he struck the ropes and wound up on his back on the mat. When the camera returned to Ross after the showing of a pre-taped Hart interview, he explained that something went terribly wrong with Hart's planned entrance. This is not part of the entertainment here tonight, Ross said. This is as real as real can be here. He stalled until throwing it to another video package, after which he haltingly described the EMTs working on Hart in the ring as cameras panned a mostly still crowd. Eventually, his broadcast partner, Jerry... I love they put his fucking nickname in here. Jerry Lawler returned to his side from helping attend to Hart. The typically excitable Lawler looked grave. It doesn't look good at all, he said with a faraway stare. Hart was eventually removed from the ring on a gurney, and the show went on. Bloodstained mat and all. Oh, people, these people paid for their tickets, Colin. They're gonna get a show! In the stand, a previously raucous crowd was subdued and confused. Many unsure whether Hart's plummet had been part of the show. This is the part where I, I talked to Tyler before the show. This is the part where I didn't know this next little tidbit, which is especially gruesome. Uh, many unsure whether Hart's Plummet had been part of the show. We thought it was a doll at first when attendee would tell the AP. There was precedent. <laughs> Six months earlier, 
WWE had staged an on-screen suicide attempt wherein Road Warrior Hawk purportedly leaped off the Titan Tron video screen. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wow. So yeah, stay classy, Vince. Wow. Yeah. Uh, official reports wow. concluded Hart was dead within minutes, the impact having severed his aorta, which filled his lungs with blood. About an hour after telling home viewers about Hart's fall, Ross, who later said he had just 10 seconds notice beforehand, was charged with announcing to them his death. I have the unfortunate responsibility to let everyone know that Owen Hart has died, Ross said solemnly. Owen Hart has tragically died from that accident here tonight. Ross would later call it the toughest thing he's ever done. Uh, yeah. Still infamously, the rest of the show proceeded to schedule a video recap aired showing The Rock first locked in a metal casket as Triple H pounded it with a sledgehammer, then bleeding on a stretcher. Uh, in the night's main event, the world title was won by The Undertaker. With more time to plan, <laughs> the next night's Raw was changed to be a celebration of Hart and his life. Unlike the episode following Pillman's death in October 1997, uh, mostly typical outside of a ten-bell salute and uncomfortable satellite interview with Pillman's widow, <laughs> on this night, Oof. the show would feature only straightforward storyline-free matches, uh, where, uh, where only would feature only straightforward story-free matches were bookended by pre-recorded video testimonials from out-of-character wrestlers, many of whom struggled to compose themselves. At the height of an era in which pro wrestling became defined by escalating ridiculousness, the eroding wall between wrestling and its audiences was completely, temporarily torn down, so that those on both sides of it could grieve and mourn. A wrestler, wrestler who had for so long Star, uh, starred as a gleefully obnoxious pest was thus outed for his true nature he was more than just one of the boys wwe czar vince mcmahon said in his narration of a tribute package owen hart was a friend and a brother to all wwe czar is that his official title he's the ceo this guy's just being fancy because he works for sports illustrated and he's writing about pro wrestling ah uh, yes he's like hmm um, so here's what I'm going to say. Because what a great line. Owen Hart was a friend and brother to all. Uh, I have friends. I have I have a brother. Um, do you... You know what? How about this? Let's play a little game. You guys have friends and or brothers. Um, mm -hmm. Would you put your friends and yeah. or brothers, uh, if they were 240 pounds, into a harness that had a latch... Um, that was a latch that was built to release on load and only required six pounds of pressure applied to a tiny button on it to open and then put your friend and or brother uh, over 80 feet in the fucking air. Do, would you do that to them? No. I would say... Which of my brothers and when? <laughs> I would say Vince McMahon is probably not a friend and brother to Owen Hart because a friend and brother... No, and uh, if one of you... If one of you guys died on our podcast, keep the, no, uh, keep the audio, I wouldn't release that. Well, keep the audio, release that, but I wouldn't keep going. No, you stop. No. You stop the podcast, but you release what we. You record. stop. 
Exactly. Get the recording off my piece. I'm not putting out half an episode like <laughs> you piece. You're like, oh, I had to pad the length. Colin died halfway. Through. Hey, so I'm gonna talk about some memories with Colin. Yeah, but it, one time I got him. He, he was more than a friend. Also, more so than just being completely negligent, which he re- so Vince McMahon. There was basically this would come out. Owen, so Owen Hart's uh, wife uh, would end up going to f- uh, file a uh, like a. A negligence lawsuit, essentially, mm-hmm. against Vince McMahon and WWE. Completely valid, in my opinion. Here's the problem. The Hart family. The Hart family, as we've mentioned multiple times, was a wrestling family. Which meant that a lot of them were still working professional wrestlers when Owen died. But a lot of them weren't in the WWE. And a lot of them would like to one day be in the WWE. So being on the wrong side of a lawsuit against Vince McMahon probably wouldn't do well. Especially considering now, they figured the guy that killed their brother might owe them a favor professionally. So, she's filing this lawsuit, trying to get recompense for the guy that killed her, her husband. And members of the, some of the members of the Hart family just refused to support her or talk to her anymore. But some members actively stole legal documents from her and provided them to Vince McMahon and his defense team. It's wrestling. It's, like I said, it is a microcosm of the United States. These bonds that these people, these people who are devoted to respect and loyalty, saw a, at least some of them, saw either the chance at proving loyalty to Vince or ensuring an opportunity or both. Yeah. And un- unfortunately, yeah. So it made her fucking life and her son's life a lot fucking harder than it needed to be uh, on top of the, the trauma that they already had to deal with. Uh, and then I believe there was, uh, she got a, she was countersued by Vince McMahon unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to bring, bring the lawsuit in Connecticut because there's no punitive damages in Connecticut. Uh, but she, I believe, mm. successfully sued him from her home state. Um, or no, from Kansas, which is where it happened. Um, gotcha. So that, obviously, knowing knowing that that about Vince now makes sense why, in retrospect, they would just play through the fucking death of Owen Hart uh, and also uh, have a kind of cringy memorial. Although, um, Mick Foley uh, apparently said something very nice about that, that uh, show. He said it was uh, one step on the road uh, to healing. Uh, so, I, you know... I get it for people that are constantly locked into kayfabe. There's probably some cathartic property to dropping it mm-hmm. and talking about your friend who just died. Um, but also it seems pretty like tasteless. But again, wrestling is kind of tasteless. It's kind of the point, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. A little bit. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Um, but yeah. So, uh, Owen Hart's dead. Bret Hart's fucked. Uh, the Hart family is uh, irreconcilably shattered uh, by the greed of one man. And who is that one man? Well, it's it's the McMahon. The McMahon. <laughs> the McMahon, the McMyth, the McLegend. Himself. Uh, Vin- Help I've Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Of course, of course you know. Kennedy. Of course you know. He was born in 1945, North Carolina. Um... He did not have what I would call a stellar childhood. Um, 
uh, so his father, uh, Vincent J. McMahon, um, basically abandoned the family as soon as he was born, uh, while he was still a baby, and he took his eldest son, Rod, with him. Uh, so, uh, Vince didn't meet his dad, uh, until he was 12 years old. Uh, and up until that point, he'd been going by, uh, Vinnie Lupton, which was the last name of his step, one of his stepfathers, Leo Lupton, who, uh, apparently would routinely beat the shit out of his mom and attack him as a young man. Uh, Vince would, would, uh, in an interview talk about, uh, this and said, uh, it is unfortunate that he died before I could kill him. I would have enjoyed that. Uh, Yikes. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I don't expect anybody to feel positively about the guy who beat their mother and then also attacked yeah, them. Yeah, but, but also don't like, say it in an take, interview. Yeah, don't, don't say it on I camera, man. Now it's premeditated. I do not disagree with the sentiment, Vince McMahon, but I, you have to understand But by saying this, people are going to think you're crazy. Even though yeah. I agree with you. Um, yeah, so Vince McMahon, basically, um, it seems in, like, a desperate quest to earn his father's validation, uh, became a wrestling, uh, a wrestler and then a wrestling promoter, uh, and, like, turned his life into this, like, animalistic machine that just converts human meat and effort into suffering and money. Yes. Um... And at every Do we know what happened to Rod McMahon? I have no clue what happened to Rod. I don't really care. I'm curious. I'll, I'll find out later on my own time. All I know is that he was named after uh, uh, Roderick James Jess McMahon, which was his grandfather. Because apparently when you're Irish, you need 16 extra fucking names for no reason. Well, yeah, it's, eventually you run it's a out right of names because you got so many fucking kids and you got to start out. Like, more. how is your name Roderick James McMahon, uh, is it Junior? Roderick James McMahon Sr., and your nickname is Jess. You gotta, you gotta have something. I guess. It's, it's fucking stupid. Um, but basically, so, the hearts, uh, one heart is dead. And the other has been fucked out of being in the WWE uh, ecosystem. Um, and so before Owen dies, but after Brett, uh, you know, in the process of kicking Brett out, leading up to the Montreal Screwjob, uh, there is a stable that's developed within uh, the, uh, the kayfabe of WWE. A stable is just a, it's usually, stable is an older term. It's usually referred to like a school like there's a guy that runs like a business that all they do is train wrestlers um that is used more loosely i would argue now that usually when we talk about stables these are largely like narrative and fictional stables and not like you know yes i work for that guy but more so like that guy plays my boss on tv i work for vince mcmahon uh So Degeneration X comes out as this kind of vehicle to like push Shawn Michaels heel thing like through and like into the future because he is WWE. Um, but as Tyler mentioned earlier, Triple H makes his appearance in Degeneration X. Well, first he has this like weird fancy lad 
like he's supposed to beat the king that's why they call him the king because he, he's like meant to be like a, yeah that was weird and they had him in like that was like when fancy um lace and shit. what's what's his name um Oh God, Booker T had that weird. Are you talking about uh, Godfather? Like King thing too. Oh, what was, what was Booker T's thing? Because there was a there was an actual pimp in the WWE for a while. <sighs> like kayfabe pimp or like pimp? Kayfabe pimp. pimp. Okay. No, his no, he was Booker T, and then he became a uh, all hail King Booker T. Yes. Yeah. It was kind of a snoop. Snoop Dogg, Snoop Lion situation. Yes, yes, mm. they they do that quite a bit. Doing that, yeah. Phase, it's like it's, Snoop Phase or Phase Dog or whatever. It's the like when they tried to bring in um, what's that new guy? Um, that they tried to make like the next Rock, but everybody fucking hated him. Roman Reigns. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're still pushing. And, but the everybody like, fucking hated sorry, him. No, the they face. wanted they him. They pushing face. I meant sorry. Yeah, they want him to be a face really bad, but everybody has decided we don't like this it's guy. Just honest, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Every, we keep saying we. Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is the head of creative. Vince McMahon, uh, WCW got, like, subsumed into WWE. Uh, that's what Raw became, essentially. Um, or that that's what became Raw, uh, mm-hmm. kind of. Because uh, they made Bischoff the head of Raw for a while as, like, a, a bit, and then they fired him on TV. Vince McMahon basically... Because he got like turned, like, in, like injected into the kayfabe for the Montreal screw job, that's like when you would see him playing a character. That's the first time he's that character is when he's being himself in Montreal in in the nineties. Mm-hmm. They're like, this guy's a piece of shit. He's like, yeah, I can be a piece of shit. It's like, yeah, you can. That's the problem. It's, <laughs> no, it's, no, Vince, it's really easy for no, you because you are. This is a character decision. No, so. Yeah. That's why, like, that's why he would also, uh, again, in a, a disgustingly prescient move uh, with former President Donald J. Trump, th- like, it was only, it only made sense why uh, fucking Vince McMahon and him would have a wrestling match because they're the same guy. Like, so, where are we going with this? Ultimately, what ends up happening is uh, Vince McMahon has been uh, bribing a, an employee for a few years. He paid $3 million to a woman he had an affair with. And has been keeping it secret and paying out of uh, company funds. Uh, and mm-hmm. so the SEC started investigating him uh, a few years ago. Uh, and uh, he's kind of fucked. <laughs> he's kind of finally fucked. Vince McMahon has done a lot of shitty, awful things that we're not going to get to in this episode. Uh, like, uh, you know, taking all that Saudi blood money. Uh, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so much Saudi blood yes. money. Uh, all, all the terrible, awful things that he's said and done throughout his, his life. Uh, these were the ones that I thought I would highlight the most, uh, were the fact mm-hmm. that he, uh, you know, cause, you know, fucked over and killed at least one guy, uh, and, uh, continued to be just kind of a philandering piece of shit the entire time. Uh, so much so that he, uh, had to, um, step down and like say like, oh, I'm taking a break from being CEO, came back to being CEO and then was like I'm retiring because now there's a sexual misconduct investigation. Yeah. Uh, All of a sudden there's a scandal. I'm gone. Yeah. So uh, obviously they were like, "Hey, you're you're using money illegally. That's that's a problem." But now there is an internal company problem of like, "Did you uh, abuse your position to fuck a woman?" Because that's also not good. So now he's like th- this creative. Uh, th- this thing is escalating, and it looks like 
uh, Triple H is going to be put in, in charge of the creative team at um, uh, WWE, which is really like the core brain. And now you can have your opinions about Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, his wife. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they're good people, but also sometimes it uh, it is hard to determine how much of that is kayfabe, right? Um, of course, because they're heels. So he, but say what you will, he has done a very good job with NXT. Uh, NXT Justin is basically the the farm team for WWE, where that's where they would okay. introduce new talent, they would work their angle, they'd work their gimmick, uh, and then if they got enough acclaim, you'd see them get boosted up. The problem was Vince McMahon is so fucking controlling that he wouldn't allow them to maintain the gimmick. So the, these guys would show up with like a gimmick, with an angle that they worked. Uh, maybe they didn't look like how Vince McMahon thinks a wrestler should work. He's like this very traditional notion of like, you have to be six and a half feet tall and like you have to be built like a shit brick house and have like like platinum blonde fucking, you know, uh, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren hair. Uh, yeah. But like, what Triple H has been doing is like, here's a guy who's like five foot six, but he's the best wrestler you've ever seen, and he's like a monster on the mic. Like, he's perfect in every way. He's just not like, you know, a giant boulder of a man. That's not good enough for Vince yeah. McMahon. So, he, they've been mishandling a lot of talent, and uh, hopefully, now that Vince McMahon is getting like forced out of the company, um, that won't happen anymore. But he's a piece of shit. And for that reason, and for the reason that he basically monopolized uh, the wrestling industry, uh, he's the worst in the industry. Yeah, Vince McMahon. Fuck Vince McMahon. Gigantic piece of shit. Um, I remember when we all went to the Last Pod live show and got to see, like, saw the footage of Owen Hart. Um, fuck. Well, because you, you, there's only like a single frame of him falling. Because the camera op that saw it, because it's literally the house lights are coming up as Brett fall or as Owen falls. Mm-hmm. Um, the camera op sees it and immediately ducks down and away the camera. Like, obviously, good on him. That footage should not exist. But al- fucking good. But camera also, like, right when when did the WWE get such good camera ops that <laughs> this guy's reacted so fast? It's. I hope that guy went on to make like Spielberg movies. Yeah, I hope so. Spielberg's like, get me that camera guy. <laughs> like, get give me that fucking. Cinematic. He knows exactly how to avoid death. <laughs> get him out here. He he knows how to turn the camera away when I inevitably beat people to death on my sets because I'm just gonna start that rumor about Steven Spielberg now is that he's just he's a horrible tyrant. He's a horrible. Oh, and also he has that island off the coast of the Philippines where he hunts children oh, for okay. sport. Yeah, the one that he bought from Jeffrey. S. Anyway, there is a call to action this episode. Um. So professional wrestling, as frustrating as it may seem, the the mainstream of it is now, uh, and despite the fact that Vince McMahon has been getting away with uh, horrific labor crimes for decades by classifying all his wrestlers as independent contractors, despite them being exclusively signed to WWE with no compete clauses, so they're not independent contractors, it's just a way where he doesn't have to pay taxes or health insurance, uh, Mm. which is great for people that use their bodies for a living. Of course, yeah, it's the perfect setup for that. So, despite all that, right, um, <laughs> you can go to not professional professional wrestling uh, in your town. There are lots of small <laughs> uh, venues, lots of small-time stables, lots of, like, 
training air, uh, training groups and like feeder like farm teams and farm stables that are basically constantly recruiting people. Uh, not as much as obviously like the '70s when like you could just like walk down into a gym and find a guy recruiting for a pro wrestling stable. But like yeah. you know, if you look around and you Google enough, you can find that like oh hey like once a month maybe like a 30 minute drive from my my you know my house to like some farm in the middle of nowhere there's a wrestling match once a month uh go to it they're fucking fun they're so fun they're amazing uh if you can get your if you can see a death cheap beers cheap, oh cheap, cheap beers, beers cheap tickets uh, it's like it's like minor league ball like it's, you go it's minor league ball fucking, but it's better, better because if you go for like a death match They'll fucking kill each other. It's great. Yeah, you get to see two dudes beat the shit out of each other instead of just people smacking a ball Yeah, watch around. a guy hit another guy in the chest with a weed whacker and get blood all over the fucking front row. Uh, that happens a lot. Uh, dude, yeah. weed whacker spots are crazy. I don't know how anybody does them. It, like, you ever seen cha- a chainsaw spot? Those are rough. No. Do they take, they take, they keep the blade, they keep the chain on, but they dull it. But it's still like yeah, they, like they take the the actual teeth off. They of uh, well, it's still there's still a chain, but yes. Um, yeah, but like they they remove the teeth from the. Chain. Yeah, it'll still fuck you up. It'll still really it leaves like yeah. these big tears, like burns and shit. Uh, it's yeah. There's a lot of uh, if you watch wrestling, like not professional professional, like amateur professional wrestling, small time professional wrestling. Uh, they're it's great. It's it's one of the best things mm-hmm. you can do, and you're really supporting uh, performers. You're supporting uh, creatives, and you're supporting uh, a lost art, a lost uh, a dying art. Uh, because uh, you know, if my body wasn't so terrible, it's something that I would be hyper interested in. But if I take a bump, I'll go to the hospital. So that can't ever happen. Oh, uh, it's unfortunate uh, that your wrestling career was cut short before it could ever start. Oh right? man, it's like if Gorilla Monsoon was born with the brain of an actual gorilla. Jesus. All right. And welcome to the ring, the narcoleptic bus boy himself. Oh, face down, face down <laughs> in the bucket. Quick, somebody get in the water. Wings. The narcoleptic bus boy himself. <laughs> oh fuck. Okay. All right. Well. Thanks for listening to Worst in the Industry once again. Um, this has been a nice, long episode about uh, the WWE and the many, many shitty crimes of Vince McMahon. Keep looking into them because there's more that we didn't talk about. Uh, watch wrestling. Don't find a way to not pay Vince McMahon. But if you can find a way to watch... There's a ton of just old matches just on YouTube. Just like... like I think everything the AWA ever digitized is on there. Also, if you're watching yep. those AWA videos with uh, those fucking assholes, there is, like, Vern Ganya. Those guys, I don't know what they did. I don't know why, how they pissed off their sound engineer so bad. But, like, the music is playing so loud on some of these videos that you can't hear the words the guys are saying. Like, <laughs> yep. it's so great. Where it's like the AWA... These fucking turntable jockeys. The AWA dissolved, basically, as like a wrestling organization Mm -hmm. and only existed as a clearinghouse for Jesse Ventura footage for like a decent amount of time. Hey man, there's enough of it. Alright. Look up some of those Japanese death matches. Those are fucking Yeah, check out Japanese wrestling. Check out Lucha. We didn't talk about shoot style wrestling. Uh, Shoot style wrestling in Japan is fucking crazy like it's it's, bonkers. it's fucking They're bonkers over there man get in it get yeah. in it yeah 
All right, we'll be back again next week with another episode. Bye. Bye. Kisses. Get a deal with coke If I wasn't rapping about the past back dealing dope Got the offer and it's real low Over one mil and it's still low They all corporate, they all cute in suits Yeah, on bullshit with all that poop to scoop My shit going up, I go root to roof They don't like that, they won't mute the truth They gon' switch sides, they go group to group They won't shoot the shit, ain't got shit to shoot Till I go crazy, go and get the baby shark And hit him with the doo-doo